1: Back to the dogs program here on 3CR 855 on AM Dial. It is a privilege to be here on 3 ca because we are part of a large community on Community Radio. Who are we? We are the dogs. We won't be talking about um, canine care. We will be talking about the defence of government schools, DOGS, which we do every week. And for our regular listeners, sorry for that vaguely facetious <laughs> intro, you know what you're going to get. And this week, um, just gone, there's been some extraordinary developments, interesting developments. Um, we do live in interesting times. It's a curse, I could say, but um, this week has been particularly cursed, certainly when it comes to education, because there's a lot to talk about. Jean has a press release about some fascinating work that has been done by the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, the ABC, that which is so maliciously under attack. They've produced data and the data is damning. And the data is about the amount of capital money that is spent on all the schools around Australia and the extraordinary disparity. The, the feudal system that seems to have developed in an education system where the wealthy have millions to spend on capital works in an arms race to support their private school privileges compared to the vast majority of Australians who go to state schools and what it is that they receive from the government. And, of course, we will also be talking about a great state school, which I know many listeners look forward to. Um, we're going to be reviewing a particular state school, which has done very well for itself, despite the fact that the government hasn't given it any money for capital works, like it has many private schools. But this new data that's come out from the ABC is quite shocking. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce Jean, who will be giving our press release. Now, what press release number is it? 805. 805 press releases. The press release is actually available. You can read it word for word if you like, um, or you can you can review it on our website at www.adogs.info at www.adogs.info. But um, if you don't want to log onto the internet right now because you might be driving or just doing something else or listening to 3CR, yes, which is a lovely thing, and welcome you here. Here's Jean to tell you what's going on.
2: Press release 805. My school is the resource that keeps on giving, evidence of ridiculous education funding. It's a little bit like the magic pudding, the My School website. Financial analysts have discovered the My School website is a gift that keeps on giving and what it gives is the evidence of gross and ridiculous inequities in education funding. It's the My School website, not the Gonski Needs Inquiry, which is the most valuable inheritance from the Julia Gillard government. The gross inequities between direct per capita grants to private rather than public schools has been well documented by Trevor Cobold of Save Our Schools. And we've been giving you the results of his um, research over the, the previous few weeks. And uh, this week we've got some material from Tasmania his work on Tasmania. And the taxpayer, he finds, is now subsidising some private schools at more than 100% of the requisite running costs. Take them over? We're paying for them? Take them over? The obvious question is, what about the real estate? Can we afford to buy all their real estate? Well, now the figures are indicating that taxpayers are paying for that also. So as the funding and social, but not the educational divide becomes ever wider, is it time to just take the private schools over? The state schools are doing an equally good job educationally on much less money. The state aid policy has proved to be a socially divisive, expensive failure, and the time has come for action private schools are now engaged in a ridiculous arms race for upmarket facilities with unnecessary recurrent subsidies releasing private as well as public funding for capital expenditure. Meanwhile, our public schools are deteriorating. The ABC, as well as Save Our Schools, has entered the Research and Reveal enterprise. Their analysis focuses on capital expenditure for individual schools and sectors, which aligns with ACARA's reports and the MySchool website. But they offer no real solutions. Now, what happened in the last week? On the 13th of August 2019, Inga Ting, Alex Palmer and Nathaniel Scott produced a program entitled Rich School, Poor School, Australia's Great Education Divide. Now, their research is based on school finance figures from the MySchool website, but also a data set that's so tightly held that in the decades since its creation, it has only been released to a handful of researchers under strict conditions. And this, of course, is the Capital Grants Programme. It's independently compiled by the ABC News and provides a more detailed picture of school income and expenditure than any publicly available data. The investigation, which encompasses more than 8,500 schools teaching 96% of students, the other 4% would be in schools which are uh, right in the outback or for special needs children. Half of reveals this 8,500 schools throughout Australia teaching 96% of the students has revealed this. Half of the 22 billion we're talking billions here, 22 billion, half of it, that's 11 billion, spent on capital projects in Australian schools between 2013 and 2017 was spent in just 10% of schools. And these schools teach fewer than 30% of students and are the country's richest, ranked by average annual income from all sources, federal and state government funding, fees and other private funding over the five-year period. So, surprise, surprise, this 10% that are getting the 11 out of 22 billion are wealthy schools. They also reaped 28% or 2.4 billion of the 8.6 billion in capital spending funded by the government. This revelation follows their previous and equally graphic presentation late last year of the bizarre features of the recurrent public funding of schools because that report showed in funding terms that most private schools have become public, something that became very apparent over three years ago. So much public money is now going into private schools that to call them private is really quite ridiculous. This time around, it is the capital funding under the microscope by the ABC. The problems are the same. Little or no effective coordination between state and federal governments because the states are locked into cyclical election promises to the private sector and relentless and the less than honest advocacy by the private school peak groups. For large numbers of private schools, their annual capital funding exceeds their recurrent funding from governments. And in the words of Barry McGaw from Melbourne University, you can see that they are receiving much more money than they need to spend on their recurrent operations. So with all this wonderful excess money, what are they doing? They are spending it on capital works. Consider the following information on the infrastructure arms race between the Australian schools. Wesley College, Haleybury College and Caulfield Grammar in Melbourne, together with Knox Grammar in Sydney, spent four hundred and two million. That's four private schools Wesley, Haileybury, Caulfield and Knox. four hundred and two million on capital grants and they teach fewer than 13,000 students. Meanwhile, the poorest 1,800 schools, most of whom would have been government schools or public schools, spent less than $370 million, and they teach 107,000 students. I'll repeat those figures. Four hundred and two million for four private schools that teach fewer than thirteen thousand students and three hundred and seventy million, which is at least thirty million thirty two million less, are spent on one thousand eight hundred schools, mainly public schools teaching one hundred and seven thousand students. The richest one percent of schools spent in those years, those four years between two thousand thirteen and seventeen, three billion. And the poorest fifty percent spent two point six billion combined. And the poorest fifty percent of schools teach nearly five times as many students. So the poorest fifty percent of schools spending two point six billion are spending 0.4 billion, that's 400 million, less than 1% of schools, the top 1% of schools. In a moment, Robert will be telling you about some of the wonderful resources that these 1% of schools have been building and are in the process of building with our money. They present a list of mouth-watering, luxurious capital extensions to already well-appointed private schools. And uh I can tell you about Wesley College, but Robert Will and also haileybury. I'm particularly interested in Hailybury because I'll talk about Hailebury. It has an income of ninety eight point one million per annum, has a capital expenditure of one hundred and three point five million per annum and the capital expenditure from the government of nearly half a billion million. I'm sorry, half a million. And it has a new campus in King Street, Melbourne, and I'm particularly interested in this new campus because it's quite close to where I live. Because Hayleybury City features an indoor sports facility, a dedicated floor for music, art and drama, and two terrace gardens. And this building is the old National Bank building, which was built in 1988 and took away our most historic. Um, View from the Flagstaff Gardens in the Flagstaff in 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 West Melbourne to the Flagstaff over in Williamstown. So this uh, actual building is not loved in any sense of the world by a lot of the locals around the Flagstaff. But although they've got all of this, they've got classrooms with floor to ceiling windows which offer a hundred and eighty degree views of the city, all in this wonderful building. It could be noted that this is a school with no playgrounds. So, at recess times, usually twice or thrice a day, and as a local I observe this, the children of this school take over a portions of the Flagstaff Gardens. So if you have, and I have, a grandson that wants to play on the, on the, uh, play equipment at that time, when they are there, you can't use it. And so the list goes on. These wealthy school lists have been causing outrage since 1969, I would like to add, but until the last decade, the private sector were not receiving massive capital as well as per capita cost handouts, or so it was thought. But over the past decade... Public funding to private schools is risen nearly twice as fast as public funding to public schools, according to the latest figures from the Australian Curriculum Assessment and Reporting Authority, which runs the MySchool website. And recurrent public funding to private schools topped $14 billion in 2017. Now, Robert will give you a list of some of the schools and their wonderful expenditure on capital grants and then Dale will tell us what the reaction has been in the last week to these extraordinary figures. They're not extraordinary to the dogs, by the way. We've known about it for a long time and we've been following it for 50 years. But it seems as if in the last week the ABC and a lot of people around Australia have suddenly woken up it's not our imagination. There are gross inequalities and the gross inequalities are being funded with our taxpayer money. So Robert will now tell you about a bit more about um, Wesley and Knox and, those, uh, and, and a lot of Catholic schools too. Over to you, Robert.
1: Thank you very much. I think we'll have a bit more after a break.
2: The Yearly World Goer Day Fiesta is on again on the 24th of August at St Louis de Montfort Hall in Aspendale. Now in its 17th year, the World Goa Day Fiesta celebrates the rich Goan culture with live bands and a delicious buffet spread. All welcome. Tickets are $50 per adult, $25 for children between ages 5 and 10, and $45 for pensioners. Call or SMS OSCAR on 0404 848 345, that's 0404 848 345. The World Goa Day Fiesta is a 3CR supporter. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours.
1: Oh, welcome back to the dogs. Yes, we'll go a day and Kafir Scars. It's good to be part of a community when we're here talking about something as important as school education. Um, yeah, um, it's shocking. Absolutely shocking. Um, Jean yeah, has passed to me to give you some examples of rich schools spending a lot of money on kids. Uh, we all know what happens, but the extent these days has now gone to the point where it's pretty much beyond the pale. Um, some things are indefensible, um, and they just happen anyway. And when they're indefensible, they just happen anyway, and they're not going to change. The common word for that is called corruption. That is the definition of something that is corrupt. And so in talking about corruption, I'd like to move straight to Wesley College. Uh, Wesley College has spent over um, a reasonably short period of time the income for the school, by the way the income for the school, the per capita income for the school itself Wesley College is $104.6 million That's how much money they generate as a private school, as a business Now that is spent supposedly, and in many cases probably, on children On a relatively small number of children So a large amount of money is spent on a small number of children, and this money is generated from parental fees, from returns on investments that Wesley College earns, and indeed from taxpayers' money.
2: We're never told the amount of those investments That's the one figure we don't have
1: Thank you, Jean. you are right to put pre- pre- Now in terms of capital expenditure, which isn't recurrent funding That's just how much money they're spending on stuff And when I say stuff, that's buildings, that's swimming pools, that's equestrian centres That's all the, all the stuff that doesn't get spent on kids um, who don't go to Wesley College Because as Jean was saying, it's an arms race between these richer schools amongst themselves What they've actually spent it on is on a $21 million music school. That's a lot of music. Um, I don't think it means that that makes the music louder, but it does make the music better. Uh, They've also spent $16 million on a boarding facility for the borders there, and they spent 2.3 million dollars on a visual arts and design precinct, which means that they'll be much better artists than sc- people in other schools because they're spending all this money. They're currently funding, um, 2.5 million in refurbishment of their boathouse for their rowing team as well. So now that does not add up to $96.7 million so there's a lot of other money being spent on a lot of other things at Wester College and it has been done. Now it says here that the capital government expenditure involved in this is $30,747 which is not a lot of government taxpayer money, $37,474 That would um, be a lot of money
2: for the local state school I assure you
1: um, But you see, that's the accounting trick. That's the point. Because what happens is the government gives recurrent funding to Wesley College. Now, I'd like to use another example, and um, Jean's highlighted already. We're talking about Haleybury College in the city. Now, Haleybury College in the city has over the last several years spent $103.9 million on stuff, attractive stuff to parents, one of those things they haven't, of course, built, um, bought yet is they haven't bought Flagstaff Gardens in the middle of the city. I'm sure they would love to buy Flagstaff Gardens so they can make it their school's playground and kick out all the locals. I haven't done that yet, but I'm sure privatising Flagstaff Gardens would definitely be on their agenda if they could possibly do it. But what they have done is they've created with $103 million... Um, an indoor sports facility, they have dedicated for, for music, for art and for drama, and they've got two new gardens up there on their new building. The classrooms, of course, have floor-to-ceiling windows with 180 degrees of the city, as, as, as Jean quite rightly pointed out before. Now, their recurrent income, the amount of money they get from all sources, including the federal government, the state government and parents, is $98 million over that same period, which is just a vast amount of money. In fact, that's per year. Okay, that's per year. Their recurrent funding per year is almost $100 million. Now, how much money has the government put in to this capital expenditure? They've put in $455,000, which, again, is not a lot of money compared to the millions I'm talking about. But that is not the point. And with Halebury College, let me get to the fundamental and major point for Halebury College. Halebury College, as I say, attracts in total $95.1 million per year from all sources. Every year, the Australian government, the federal government, gives to Halebury College $22.5 million every year. Every year, the state government, on top of that, gives to Halebury College to educate the children in that exclusive school $3.5 million. So you add those two together, you've got two and a half and three and a half, well, you've got $26 million every year of taxpayer funds goes to the children of Hayleybury College to educate them. Now, private sources, how much do the parents contribute? Well, the parents contribute, at the same time, $88 million dollars in money to educate the children of Haileybury College. That's $88 million per year for every child in Haileybury College to be educated by the parents. They contribute $88 million.
2: And College actually had $52 million to pay for the National Bank building that they're now in in the city in the first place, where one of the other schools owned by the Uniting Church up at Myrnda went to the wall. It's very interesting how the Uniting Church works, and because that school went to the wall, went bankrupt up in Mernda, they sold an enormous number of their churches. Uh, It was a very interesting exercise. One wonders about these religious people when it comes to market economics.
1: Yes, yes, indeed. Indeed. yeah, you know, I I can't make a comment on the, on the you know, Machinacians of the United Church and where they spend their money because um, I'd have no idea. But the point that I'm making, Jane, and I think it's an important one, is that $26 million a year goes into the education, or is supposed mm. to go into the education of children. At the same time, Haleybury College is spending in capital works $103 million on stuff. Now, it's a very simple accounting trick. The Halebury College are not allowed to spend government money on stuff, unless it's allocated. And so the federal and state governments have allocated around about half a million dollars that Haleybury College can spend on stuff. But they're getting from the government $26 million to spend on the education of kids. So what is that $26 million is spent on the education of kids? And then that frees up $26 million of parents' contributions that can therefore be rerouted, not to spend on kids. So the parents' school fees don't get spent on the kids. The parents' school fees then get rerouted. $26 million worth to spend on, you guessed it, stuff. I remember. This is a very simple thing. Um, Adrian Piccoli, the um, previous Minister for New South Wales, Education Minister, this is just what they've been doing for years and years mm-hmm. and years. You, they're not supposed to use government money to spend on stuff, but all they do is they take the money the government gives and spend it on the kids, and then they take the money the parents give them, which they don't need to spend.
2: I remember under Howard, Mr Kemp, who was the Minister for Education, saying, oh, we've got to give these uh, schools more money so that they can put their fees down. I don't think they have ever... Never, ever, ever put never, their fees in never, never, never,
1: never, 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 yeah. never, 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 never. So what this means is, and I'll break it down to a point, a, a per-student thing, which I like to do to make it a little bit more understandable. It takes about, I don't know, between fifteen and seventeen thousand dollars to educate a kid in a high school. Okay. The more problems they present, uh, the more educational needs they have, the more money you need to spend. But in general, a child who presents with a reasonable number of educational needs takes around about $15,000 per kid once they turn into a teenager to educate every year. Um, a lot of state schools need to spend more because they have more kids with educational needs. Halebury College, I'll tell you right now, has very few children with significant educational needs because they have the right to say at the door, Oh no, go away. <laughs> because that's their right, because they're a religious and private organisation. They are indeed a private school and can discriminate on any basis that they like. So, $15,000 is what you need to spend. Um, There is $30,000 allocated to every student every year when you put together federal government, state government and parental fees. When you put all those numbers together, you get $30,000. So currently there is $15,000, that's 30 minus 15, That's that doesn't need to be spent on the kids. So guess what it's being spent on? It's being spent on stuff to make Halebury College better than Wesley, to make Wesley better than Caulfield, to make Scots better than St Kevin's, to make St Kevin's better than Wesley, to make Halebury better. It's just an arms race. They are using this money, this taxpayer's money, to spend on stuff that nobody needs. And that... Is waste, and that is corruption. We'll be back after this.
2: Well, the ABC figures from the My School and about capital grants got quite an airing in the last week, and there were some reactions. First of all, Chris Bonner from the uh, Save Our Schools group, uh, he's a Sydney ex-principal, retired principal of a state school, uh, public school. He had this to say on the conversation.
0: Thanks, Jean. Chris Bonner says... There is much more to come out about the funding of our schools, both public and private. Long-treasured myths, such as how this funding represents a saving on the public purse, can now be seriously challenged. We constantly hear that students in the private schools get between 50 and 70% of the government funding going to those in public schools. Research currently underway points to the real figure being much closer to 100% and sometimes more. The oft-claimed annual saving to the public purse of around $7 billion might be half a billion, if it exists at all. Indeed, if all the students funded to attend private schools since 2011 had instead attended public schools, governments would have pocketed over $100 million in recurrent funding costs each year. As for capital funding, the claims, the claimed savings created by students attending private schools would have been one third the amounts claimed by private school peak groups and of course last but not least that symbolic status of Goulburn in the opening years of the state aid debate is under continuing challenge. If Goulburn's Catholic schools had to shut their doors today the recurrent funding gain to governments would be $1,223,612. Maybe the bishops should try that stunt again. The reality is that we know more and more about school funding than ever before. It gets harder and harder to defend the indefensible. The ABC report has made an invaluable contribution
2: to a better debate. Thank you, Dale. Uh, and the University of Melbourne Professor Barry McGaw had something to say too. He was a former chair of the ACARA board and he said that the data now available on the MySchool website opens up a whole set of questions we've not been able to ask before. Well, the dogs have always felt quite able to ask any questions that had to be asked, but the academics are now in a very difficult position because they have promoted the needs policy over all of these years. But he writes, in some large non-government schools, the amount allocated to capital programs is often pretty much equivalent to the amount of recurrent funding provided by the government. He said that the figures show how much schools are liberated to transfer to capital works, even though they may argue the money is sourced from parents. That's one of the reasons you're seeing such massive building programs going on. At scores of private schools around the country, the vast majority in the independent sector, the amount allocated to capital projects was worth a substantial share or, of or even exceeded their recurrent government funding. And Robert has just shown this with Haley Among the schools are Caulfield Grammar, uh, Hales School in Western Australia, Canberra Grammar and Loreto Normanhurst, New South Wales. Uh, And you can't stop schools raising funds privately, he says. Our state schools are forced to these days, aren't they? But you can see that they are certainly receiving much more money than they need to spend on their current operations, as evidenced by the fact that they can pass so much money out to Capital Works and they never lower their fees. The more the government gives, the fees never go down. But all Professor Proctor from the University of Sydney could say was, the figures are extraordinary. Uh, I would have expected more from her. The response of the Australian Education Union is also worth being reproduced in full. So I'll ask Dale to read that for you again. Thanks,
0: Jane. The extent to which public schools in Australia are being ignored by the Morrison government when it comes to capital funding for new facilities and renovations has been highlighted again today. This year alone, the Commonwealth Capital Grants Program has allocated more than $146 million to fewer than 140 non-government schools. By contrast, public schools will not receive a single dollar of equivalent Commonwealth funding. Between 2013 and 2017, Australia's four richest elite private schools spent more on new facilities and renovations than 1,800 schools combined. In 2017, only 38% of total spending on school infrastructure was in public schools, far below the sector's 66% share of enrolments. The richest 1% of schools spent $3 billion, while 50% of public schools spent $2.6 billion combined. That 50% of public schools teaches nearly five times as many students. Australian Education Union Federal Pre- President Karenna Haythorpe said that public school capital funding requirements have been completely disregarded by the Morrison government's private school capital funding cash splash. Ms Haythorpe said the figures raised serious questions about how private schools are using recurrent funding provided by the Commonwealth. In private schools around the country, the amount they allocate to capital projects is similar to the amount provided by the Commonwealth for recurrent funding, Ms Haythorpe said. However, the rules are clear. Recurrent funding cannot be used for capital works projects. This raises serious questions about how some private schools are actually using their recurrent funding. While the Morrison government will provide $1.9 billion in capital works funding for private schools over 10 years, public schools will not receive a single dollar of equivalent Commonwealth funding. Ms Haythorpe said the Federal Coalition increased the private school capital fund by $300 million in 2017, while at the same time putting an end to capital funding for public schools. Not only has Scott Morrison cut $14 billion from public schools, he was also the Treasurer who stopped capital funding for public schools altogether, Ms Haythorpe said. The lack of Commonwealth capital funding for public schools is despite the fact ABS data shows almost 200,000 additional students have enrolled in Australian schools in the past five years and 76% of that growth has been in public schools. Between 2015 and 2018, the number of students in public schools increased by 113,039 compared to an increase in Catholic school enrolments of 196 and an increase of 29,626 in so-called independent schools. Catholic school enrolments decreased in 2017 and 2018. In 2018 and 2019 alone, 315 non-government schools received a total of 312 point six million dollars in allocations from the Morrison Government's private schools capital works fund, an average of nearly one million dollars per grant, Ms. Haythorpe said. The Prime Minister's insistence on ignoring public schools while handing billions in capital funding to private schools will entrench and increase the funding inequality gaps between the sectors. Public schools are experiencing significant enrolment growth and it is the public sector which has the greatest need for classrooms, libraries, science labs or sporting facilities. Ms Haythorpe said that the Commonwealth should establish a capital works fund for public schools as recommended by the Gonski Review. She said this fund should include at least $300 million in the first instance. If the Morrison government wants to give all schools school students a fair go, it must immediately end capital funding, inequality and provide funding to public school capital works.
2: Well, thank you, Dale. Well, the sad thing about that is, of course, that Carina Haythorpe should be saying there should be no state aid at all, as um, the AEU used to do about uh, a decade ago. But... Um, that's a very interesting um, press release from Karina Haythorpe with lots of very useful information which they can now get thanks to the MySchool website. Yeah. But uh, in the 1960s, I'd like to say that the dogs predicted what is now happening. We're not uh, overjoyed at being correct, of course, but we said this would happen. So perhaps we can now stop romancing about needs, which are really bottom of the schoolyard schemes and always have been, and be clever and learn from what our forebears did in the 19th century. It took them a few decades to wake up, but they withdrew state aid to the private religious sector and Australian education flourished. But it took them a while to do it. Private schools never have and they never will educate all the nation's children. Their very nature is to educate the minority at the expense of the majority. They have once again proved to be a very expensive anomaly. They should be either taken over or become genuinely independent. We, the citizen taxpayers, are now paying for them. Open them up and take them over until we are left with a strong public system and a few genuinely independent schools again. Those with direct public funding, up to 50%, should be open to all children with offence to none immediately. Those with over 50% public funding should be taken over completely in the next 10 years, and those which are over 100% funding should also be taken over immediately. The $14 billion, which we've now found out they are getting, I suspect that that's only the tip of an iceberg, is a very interesting figure when you remember that state aid in the 1960s started with just a few hundred thousand. Mm. Uh, the ABC and people on the ABC, particularly the drum, had some very interesting reactions too, but we won't go there this week. We will try and get, uh, uh a reproduction of what happened and the reactions of various people, particularly uh, Mr. Piccoli from the uh, Gonski Institute at the University of New South Wales, for next week. We'll have a quick break and be right back. What to deal with now, and it's over to Robert.
3: In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio celebrating 40 years of 3CR is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book
0: includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. 3CR's Radical Radio book is now on sale for just $30. You can get your copy of
3: 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy or online at 3CR.org.au forward slash shop
0: Get a piece of your own history on sale for just
3: $30 3CR's Radical Radio is available now
4: We appreciate like, you mob and all the people coming and visit us and doing stuff like this, you know, it's very good It keeps a positive mindset in our mind, you know, and we really appreciate it. Because of her we can, yeah, I want to be a better, better man, yeah, because of her we can. Beyond the Bars is
2: 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates across Victoria. You can listen to audio from this year and previous years online anytime.
0: How do
4: you rehabilitate someone, they just put you in a cell and tell you this is how long you're going to do and it's meant to rehabilitate you. you know? Rehabilitation starts when you get out. That's when your life begins again, doesn't it? In here, your life's on hold.
2: Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyondthebars. Or if you'd like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03 9419 8377. When I first come to the day was about 10 years ago, and I was a young one. I wait young ones come off the truck there the other day, and. They call me Annie Marlene, so it helped me recognise and realise it like pulled himself up like ER. They're starting to look up to me, so I've got to represent and do the right thing now. Mm. Can Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars.
1: <laughs> Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment. To show a different state school is a great school. State
0: schools are great schools.
1: School of the week, state school. School are
0: great of the school. week, great state schools. The state
1: state schools, schools school of are great the schools. week, school for the week here on the Dogs Program. <laughs> Well, yes, our Great State School of the Week this week. I've got a little story to tell you about this Great State School, because I thought I'd go looking. I thought I'd go looking for a Great State School on the internet. And when I went looking for a Great State School on the internet, I came across a really interesting website. And the website is not an education website. It's called finder.com. You've probably seen um, seen advertisements on late-night television. finder.com. Now com have a part of their website, part of their services they provide is they want to, they've got a saying the best public schools with the cheapest cost of living. This is on the premise that parents out there want to move to a suburb with a reasonably cheap cost of living, but in a catchment zone for a good public school. Because this is the world we live in.
2: State agents these days ask you which school you want your child to go to when they uh, or what mm-hmm. kind of school you want to go. Yes, it's extraordinary.
1: Mm-hmm. So this, this, this website is absolutely fascinating. Now at the moment it's been rolled out in New South Wales. So they have a list of the top New South Wales primary schools. Now this is public primary schools, nothing to do with private schools, this is public primary schools. And how they compared with the cost of living for the catchment zone, which translates to a number of factors. Now, in the Australian environment, an environment with choice, the indicators that this this private finder.com have have used are, for every school, they've told you about how good the school is in terms of its average total score. They've talked about the median house price to buy a house in the catchment area. They talked about the median unit price, and then the median house rent, and the median unit rent. So cost of living in Australia just translates functionally to house prices. And so they've done this for primary schools, and then they've done it for secondary schools. So the top New South Wales state high schools also have their own list. And it's absolutely fascinating. The median house price to be in the catchment area for a good state school is now a marketable commodity, and has been put together in a marketplace of, of stuff and ideas. Anyway, I thought, I thought that I would peruse this website to find a great state school, because they're all great state schools in this one, um, and I found most of them existed in northwestern Sydney, in places like Balcombe Hills, and Neutral Bay, and Hornsby, and Hunters Hill, and St Ives, and Epping, and... Um, at a time. Now I don't know Sydney very well, Jean does because she used to live there many, many, many years ago and Summer Hill and Eastwood and I thought oh, this is interesting there's this cluster of public schools up there with very good results but the um, median house price for instance of a school in East Linfield which is a very good East Linfield um, is $1.63 million so I don't have $1.63 million to buy a median house in Sydney out there but Going down the list, I found a little place called Mulgoa Public School. Mulgoa Public School. The median house price there is five hundred and forty-five thousand dollars, which is a lot of money, but in terms of buying a house, um, I suppose you can you can get away with that. Um, the average renting of of a, of a place there is seven hundred dollars, um, which is. A lot of money, I suppose, but at Magola... Oh, sorry, I take that back. I take that back. It's $485, so it's a bit bit more reasonable, isn't it? If you want to rent a unit in Magola to send your child to the Magola Public School. So I thought, this is interesting. This is a reasonably cheap house you can buy and a catchment area for a very good state school. What is this Magola? Where where, where is Magola? Um, It's way out west in Sydney. In fact, there's barely even Sydney at all. The Magola Public School is, in fact, a small... Semi-rural school, 15 minutes from the centre of Penrith A school was established, and you'd be interested in this Gene, in 1883 So it's been there for bloody ages Now they have attractive grounds, plenty of space, beautiful heritage buildings And excellent learning facilities the school's a strong focus on literacy and numeracy and leads mathematics project across three different schools. In two thousand and seven they were awarded two Western Sydney Regional Awards for Outstanding Literacy and Numeracy Programs. Well that's ten years ago. What are they doing these days? Well the Magola Published. Well let me tell you a little bit more about it. How many kids have they got? How many kids have they got? Oh, less than a hundred. Less than a hundred. Um, they've got some indigenous kids out there as well. There's a tree change for you. Yep. In terms of the Ixier values, it's around about a thousand, so it's about as average as you can get. Thirty eight percent um plus twenty two percent makes I don't know, what's that? Fifty uh sixty percent of the kids are in the from the poorest families in Australia. And um the rest are from the richest, so it's sort of right down the middle. Mix of kids. Uh twenty percent of the kids come from a language background other than English, which is around about a bit less than the national average. And there's less than a hundred kids there. Wow. What's it doing there? And, and you can buy a house in the cashman area and not pay private school fees because that's what that finder.com thing was all about. That's about parents going, hmm, I can't be bothered spending money on a private school if there's a good state school, if I can buy a nice house. So if they go to the website, they'll be heading out to Magala. Magala's going to have itself an influx of um, aspirational parents, I reckon. Now this website's opened up. Um, there's a couple of teachers there. Um... There's about five, all in total, five full-time equivalent teachers in this school. That's not many. Um, and there's two non-teaching staff as well. That's support. So yeah, it's all good fun. Nice little school. They're doing really good jobs. They've got excellent literacy and numeracy. Um, well, let's have a look at, let's have a look at the numbers, shall we? Let's have a look at how well these children are doing on NAPLAN. NAPLAN's very important. Blah, 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 blah. How are these kids at McGullough doing? Man, they are caning it. They are caning it in reading and writing and spelling and grammar and numeracy. Well above is the average um, of students um, from a similar type of school. And in fact, they're well above the average for all Australian students.
2: Good good teaching out there. Good
1: country school. Good country school. Good teachers. So, would I send my children to Mulgoa Public School in Mulgoa, New South Wales? Damn right I thought I was out there. I wouldn't be wasting my money on the local private school. What would you be doing that for? Now... How much does it cost me, says Mr Taxpayer, how much does it cost to educate a child at Mulgoa? Remember these, states, or these private schools are supposed to be saving us money, about $12,000 per kid per year, that's about what you want. In fact, we know that that is what you need to give a child a gold standard education in Australia in a primary school. Because primary schools have less educational needs than secondary schools because they don't have all the subjects and all the facilities and all the tech stuff and all the music stuff. Oh, no, no. They don't need themselves a swimming pool out at Mulgola to do a good job. They don't need an arts and cultural centre out at Mulgola. They don't need $2.3 million for their rowing shed (laughs) outside Penrith. Thank goodness. yeah, Mulgoa, they are a great state school. Um, in terms of per, in terms of per-student funding, they're just doing the right thing. Oh, by the way, how much does it cost? are the fees and charges, because there are fees and charges. Yeah, look, if you've got the money, 300 bucks, you know, to help out the school, 300 bucks is non-compulsory fees for the school per year, 300 per year. Um, and if you don't have the money, of course, as we all know in public schools, that is no bar to entry. If you don't have $300 in your pocket per year, uh, the principal says, oh, well, there you go. Don't worry about it.
2: How much do the parents actually raise per year? Is there a figure for that? No. no, no. I don't know. But that.
1: I would imagine a place like Mulgawa, mm. um, the buy-in from the parents at the school would be very high because mm. you'll find that small, small schools have very tight, supportive communities, mm. probably much more than larger schools, mm. I would mm. suggest, in many, many cases, but not all, in many, many cases. So truth to tell, I'm... To find a great state school, I just typed in great state school and got this interesting finder.com website, which matches up the best public schools with the cheapest housing, which I think is absolutely fascinating. You wouldn't get that in Germany or you wouldn't get that in Finland because there's no need because the local high school by definition is the best school. Because in those systems, of course, um, if the local high school is not the best school for your child, then everyone has a problem. In Australia, if the local high school is not the best school for your child, that seems to be someone else's problem. And if you can buy your way out, off you go. And so finder.com has worked this out and said, well, don't buy your way out by spending more money on a private school. Buy your way out by finding a nice cheap house somewhere next to a school that's doing good things by kids. Absolutely fascinating. You've been listening to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the dial. It has been your pleasure, a pleasure and we'll be back after a quick break. Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D O G S, Defenders of Government Schools. Every week on the Dogs program, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent, or if you're a kid, or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary. State College. schools are great. Parkaway Primary, Primary School. school. Sunshine North Primary They're really School. We're really concerned
3: about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning.
1: Like you put on plays, you've got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking? Actually, an
3: embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs.
1: More than needs. half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia.
3: Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's who, that's who we welcome into the school.
0: Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads
3: to better grades. In the weekly assemblies and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a, a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words, that is
1: actually... So, so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn it into a classroom.
3: Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning.
1: state schools are great schools.
0: Great state schools.
1: Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR855 on the AMD. After a really intense program, I would have to say, <laughs> thankfully broken up with some nice pieces of music. Thank you, Mr Thomas Tallis, for calming me down there <laughs> in the middle. Um, after a really intense program, we've... Enjoy giving it to you, but if you do want to find out more, you can at our website, www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. Or you can find it from the 3CR link. Um, 3CR has a website. We're amazing in the 21st century. And you can get a podcast of this program as well. Um, So if there's anything you missed you wanted to check on, oh, don't worry. We are very open and accountable here. You can get the podcast at the website, which is 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Now, I was a bit sneaky today. I went went on the internet to find my great state school. But if you, dear listener, have an idea about something that I should talk about when it comes to a great state school, please give us a call on um, 94198377 8377 during office hours. And just, um, you don't have to leave your name. Just say just name the school and say, can you get Rob to talk about School X? And I'll be up to it. But until next week, from the Dogs Program, it's bye for now.
4: Saw Joe Hill last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe here ten years dead. I never died, says he. I never died, says he. In Salt Lake City. Joe says, I am standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I did dead. Says Joe, but I dead. The copper bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I... on to organize, went on to organize. From San Diego up to Maine in every mine and mill where workers strike and organize. It's there you find joy.